We at Amazing Stories are thankful for and gracefully accept the donations we receive from our listeners from across the world who count on the unique programming we provide. You too can donate through the link provided in the description section of each episode. Please keep in mind that the continued support from our growing audience helps us fulfill our mission of bringing you a new amazing story every day. Thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to enjoy our stories. The Amber Spyglass by Philip Pullman Dramatised by Lavinia Murray I am Balthamos, a listener of lives, a recording angel. I am also a rebel against our god, whom we call the Authority, and his regent, Metatron. The Authority threatens to dictate human affairs by putting an end to free will. A human, Lord Azrael leads the massed armies who oppose him. I and another angel, my beloved Baruch, followed Dr. Stanislaw Grumman from Lord Azrael's world, where human souls take animal form, we call them demons, into the world of Chittagatsi. He led us to the bearer of the subtle knife, a 12-year-old Will Parry, and to Lyra Silvertongue, a girl whom fate has marked out as the second Eve. But for the moment, it is the boy that concerns Baruch and I. Because without the knife, Lord Azrael will fail. The true name of the knife is Eseter, God Destroyer. Will Parry stands in the icy mountain winds, outlined on the jagged rock by cold stars and the setting moon. On a small stone plateau above him lies his father's body with an arrow through the heart. He turns to us. Who's taken her? Was it her mother? Why can't I see you clearly? We are angels. We've come to help you. Angels? Then shouldn't you be shining like light bulbs? Balthamos and I are angels of low order, but we are men in stature. Our wingspan exceeds six paces. Will feels inside Lyra's rucksack with his good hand and tips out the heavy, velvet-wrapped alethiometer. Can you read this? It'll say where she is. No. Do you always tell the truth? Yes. All right. Are you stronger than me or weaker? Weaker. You have flesh. We have a faint glow. Still, you must come with us. No. I'm stronger and I have the knife. Help me find Lyra. Then I'll go to Lord Asriel. You're making a mistake. I can hear your wings, but where are you? Here. I still can't see you. We couldn't find your friend, Lyra, but we did find a lake where the woman camped. A dead witch eaten by a spectre, and a large dead man with silver hair and a pink face. Sir Charles Latcham. Mrs. Coulter's killed him. The woman left traces. 
My companion has followed her. Do angels have names? I am Balthamos. My companion is Baruch. Balthamos and Baruch? You sound like a pair of solicitors. I'm going to use my knife, so you'd better keep out of the way. It's like tracing a row of stitches. This should be my Oxford. Ah, yes. Congestion on the M40 between junctions 8 and 9. My father could have gone home. I'd better close it up. Look. There's another window ahead. Baruch came this way. Come through. Balthamos? Which world is this? Lyra's. A long way off in Lyra's world and close to the snow line lies a valley shaded with rhododendrons. In that valley is a cave with a golden monkey demon watching at its entrance. Behind him, a woman is heating water in a small pan over a naphtha stove. We've got company, Marissa. It's Arma, the young girl from the village. Arma lays a little bunch of anemones bound with cotton thread at Mrs. Calder's feet. Arma's demon, Kulang, at present a butterfly, settles on the monkey's horny forefinger. My village is happy for a holy woman to take refuge in the cave, but they're frightened. They think someone dangerous is with you. Yes, there is someone else here with me. She's my young daughter, under a sleeping spell. We're hiding from the enchanter whilst I find a cure. Come and see her. Let me light a candle. There. It's just a sleeping girl. Please, tell no one, Armour. If the Enchanter finds where she is, the village will be in terrible danger. Mrs. Coulter smooths Lyra's damp hair from her sleeping face and kisses her cheek. Armour's eyes fill with tears. As Armour scampers off down the slope, Mrs. Coulter crouches down and crumbles dried leaves into the water on the stove and adds three drops of pale yellow oil. Then she pours it carefully into a metal beaker. Lyra's head lolls, and her eyes move beneath their lids. Roger? Shh, darling, Mama's here. Drink this. Take a little sip, my love. There. Ozymandias, stop pinching her arm. I was soothing her. You've left red marks. Lyra dreams of the end of all places and the last of all worlds. Lyra! 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 Roger! Roger, my dear, I can hardly see you. What is this place? It's the world of the dead. I don't know if I'm here forever. I don't know if I did bad things or what. Lyra, I tried to be good. Well, you've never done bad things, Roger. Only mischief in that. You shouldn't be here. I didn't know what Lord Asriel was going to do. I thought we'd give him the Elysium to, and then go home. I'm scared. I hate it. I'll be here forever. The sky's dead. The ground's dead. I don't know where Cecilia is. I ain't ever been alone before. Roger, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Ask yourself, Marissa, what happens when the Magisterium find out you're hiding her? I'm keeping my daughter safe. If I didn't drug her, she'd run away and be killed. <laughs> Meanwhile, Will walks through woods in Lyra's world. Listen, it's Baruch. I'm here, Will. Did you find Lyra? Yes, 
She's being held captive in a cave in a Himalayan valley, very high up. Her mother keeps her asleep. So she's not harmed? No. There's a shrine near the glacier with red silk banners torn by the winds. A young girl brings food to the cave because her people think the woman is a saint. Mrs. Coulter, a saint? She's hiding from the magisterium. But she works for them. Without warning, an angel drops out of the sky, bringing down branches with him, terrifying the birds, an angel that will can see. His feet tread the barely visible bodies of Baruch and myself. He is too strong for us. We shall be killed. The knife! Use it! I can't! You're all moving too quickly. Help us! Lord Regent, I have them! Will touches the angel holding Baruch and myself with his knife. Feathers cascade from him. His shape vanishes. Then the sky above the broken treetops fills with clouds, which begin to part, and something like a shaft of brilliant light shoots towards us. It is the Regent Metatron. Have I just killed the angel? You have to. Now cut away through before Metatron reaches us. Please, Will. Please. I hate killing. Quickly, Will. Quickly, please. I'm trying. Metatron is almost here. I could feel a spear hit the window as I closed it. Will, it's because we discovered a secret about the Authority's kingdom. Is the Authority God? Yes, he is God. But Zephania, another angel, found out he wasn't the creator. We serve Zephania. The Authority was formed from dust. We all are. I keep hearing about dust. Nobody's explained what it is. Dust is the name of what happens when matter begins to understand itself. Dust chooses to know good from evil. To the Authority, this is loss of innocence. Sin. Lord Azrael must be told what we discovered on Clouded Mountain. Clouded Mountain? It moves from place to place, but beneath the clouds it looks like a mountain. The Authority lives in a crystal chamber at its heart. We couldn't get close, although we saw him. He has delegated his power to Metatron. And now Metatron's seen you and the knife. He'll want to kill us all. What happens when we die? There's a world of the dead. It's a prison camp. But is it a world I could cut into? We don't know. Everything about it is secret. Look, why don't you go straight to Lord Azriel with your great secret? We're not sure he'd believe us without the knife. We thought we could persuade you. You're making it harder for me to reach Lyra. I've got this Metatron thing attacking me now because of you. You need me. I don't think so. I'm going to pretend to be your demon. In Lyra's world, you'd stand out otherwise. And I'll go on my own to Lord Azriel and ask him to send help to find his daughter. Be careful. Remember how vulnerable we are in these realms, Baruch. In a more northerly part of Lyra's world, the witch Serafina Pekela and her demon Kaiser fly over a land that is so altered by the changing weather, neither of them recognize it. She doesn't yet know that Lyra is being held captive by Mrs. Coulter. Serafina spots the bear king, Yorick Bjornesson, climbing out of the sea. King Yorick, I have failed your comrade, Lee Scoresby. I gave him a flower to summon me with, but I arrived too late. He died fighting a force of Muscovites. He was trying to find an object that would protect Lyra. King Yorick, I am wretched with remorse. Where did this happen? In another world. He was my friend, and I shall avenge him. Where is the child, Lyra Silverton? I left her with my sisters. In that same world? Yes. So she is safe, good. Now I must find an ice-bound country for my kin, or we will all perish. 
Lee told me there were mountains in the south crowned with snow and ice all year. The next day, Arma and her demon Kulang returned to the cave, clutching a pouch of precious medicine with which to wake Lyra. Hello? Come on, Kulang. Be careful. I want to see the sleeping girl. Perhaps I can wake her before her mother returns. They're back. Arma, hide. They won't be too pleased if they find you. The girl's been here. She's left food. Good. Let me revive the fire. Larry will need attending to shortly. Roger? Hush, dear. Where's Roger gone? Lift yourself and let Mama wash you. Up you come, my love. She said the girl was under an enchantment. She was lying. Where's Seraphina? And Will, help me! Help me! I don't want to sleep! I wish you weren't my mother! I hate you! Come now, hush. Drink this. You dare touch me, and Yorick will tear your head off! Yorick Bernison, help me! Ozymandias takes the opportunity to maul Pan. Get off me! Don't hurt him! Pantalaimon changes from cat to snake to rat to fox and then to porcupine with raised quills which jab and cut the monkey's paws. Stop that! Now drink. Oh, I don't want to sleep. Oh, her mother's the enchantress, Kalang. Sleep, my love, sleep. It's the only place you're safe. Good. That's it, my darling. Now I'll take a little curl from your hair for my locket. Once the curl of tawny gold hair is shut inside the locket, Mrs. Coulter reaches up and takes one of the drowsy bats and places it in her monkey demon's outstretched paw. He begins pulling at its wings. She lied to us, Kalang. She's cruel. Shall we tell Father? No. We've got the medicine. When the woman goes out again, we'll wake the girl and take her with us. In Lord Azrael's world, my beloved Baruch stands on the shore of an immense lake of molten sulfur. If he attempts to fly across, the enemy scouts will see him. It will take so long to walk around that his message might be too late. So he darts upwards when a cloud of stinking smoke billows off the yellow surface, but he's spotted immediately by four of Metatron's henchmen. They bring him down. At the western end of the lake, a fortress of basalt seems to grow out of the mountain. On the most exposed side of the fortress, there's a small gate guarded by a sentry. All right, all right. We found him at the Sulphur Lake. Says his name's Baruch. He's got an urgent message for Lord Azrael. Blimey, it's an angel. All right, help me up with him. The lower depths of the basalt fortress contain arsenals, magazines and stores. There's even a railway. Above ground, there are libraries as large as cities, garrisons big enough to house whole battalions. Inside Lord Azrael's quarters, at the top of the West Tower, a small blue hawk perches on a stanchion at head height. It belongs to the spymaster, Lord Roke. Lord Roke is no taller than Lord Azrael's hand, as slender as a dragonfly and barefoot. Poisonous spurs grow from his heels with which he can sting his adversaries. The Magisterium is alive with speculation about your daughter. 
I find that hard to believe. You don't seem to understand how important your daughter is. I'd have thought my rebellion was more worrying than anything a little girl could do. Your daughter's activities take precedence. I know because I have spies in the Magisterium. Their standards are slipping. They used to be impregnable. There is no laxity on their part. The Lady Salmachia and Chevalier Tialis are excellent. I take it the information came through that talking listening machine? Your lodestone resonator? Yes. They think that Lyra is the most important child who ever lived. <laughs> Let me know the moment you hear any more. I shall, Lord Asriel. The Blue Hawk swoops down and lands on the table. Lord Roke springs into the leaf saddle on her back and holds the cobweb bridle. Hawk and Ryder fly out of the open window and into a night brilliant with stars. Yes? My lord, uh, there's an angel to see you. He's badly hurt. Lay him on the couch. Yes, Lord Ezreal. My name is Baruch. My companion, Balthamos and I, are rebels and serve the angel Zephania. We wanted to bring you something valuable, because our power is small. Not long ago, we entered the heart of Clouded Mountain. <coughs> Take your time. We learned th that the authority has retired to a crystal chamber. There is an angel, Metatron, ruling on his behalf. Metatron is proud, and his ambition is limitless. He thinks the Magisterium is weak and corrupt. He, he, he's going to set up a permanent inquisition in every world, run directly from the kingdom. He intends to move the authority secretly to a permanent citadel and turn Clouded Mountain into an engine of war. And his first campaign will be to destroy your republic. At last, someone's taking me seriously. There's a knife that can cut openings between worlds and anything in them. Its power is unlimited, but only in the hands of its bearer. And that person is a boy. My companion is with him now. The boy and your daughter are friends. He won't come until he's found her. Who is he? The son of a shaman called Stanislaw Grumman. Grumman had a son? Grumman was not born in your world, he, nor was Grumman his real name. We followed him because he was searching for the knife. <laughs> Do you know where my daughter is? The, the Himalayas, in her own world. Show me exactly where she is on the map. With the knife, the boy can enter and leave any world at will. But he and Balthamus are in danger. Metatron knows we have his secret. Metatron was once Enoch, and I was his brother. A lover of the flesh, he had many wives. That is still his weakness. Where is the girl? A cave. Her mother. A valley full of winds and rainbows. Here. There's a knock at the door. Stel Maria leaps to prevent it from opening, but an orderly enters and a gust of cold air finds my beloved. Baruch dies, dissolving in a swirl of golden sparks. Balthamos! My lord, I, 
I beg your pardon. Not your fault. Take my compliments to King Ogunwe. I would be glad if he and my other commanders could join me immediately. I want number two squadron of Gyroptors and a tanker Zeppelin to take off at once. Yes, sir. I shall send further orders in the air. Yes, sir. In Lyra's world, the consistorial court of the Magisterium now sits at session in the half-gloom of an oak-panelled room with high, dusty windows. A Grand Inquisitor, Father MacPhail, questions the terrified alethiometrist. Now, Father Papel, what did the wits say on the ship? I... I, I hadn't seen torture before, and it made me feel faint. I can't tell you exactly what she said, but I do remember the meaning. The child, Lyra, is the subject of a prophecy, and she's to make a choice on which the future of all worlds depends. She has a name that will make the Magisterium hate and fear her. Did the witch say what it was? No. Another witch, present under the spell of invisibility, killed her. So the woman Coulter would not have heard the name? No. And Mrs Coulter left shortly afterwards? She did. And, and then I discovered that the child had gone into another world through the rift opened by Lord Azriel. May I speak entirely freely? You'll not be punished for telling us what you have learned from the alethiometer. The knife is able to make openings between worlds. It has a power greater than... I'm afraid to say, the authority. You must not fear us. There is nothing that this knife cannot destroy. Did you ask further about the girl? The girl is in the position of Eve, the wife of Adam, the mother of us all and the cause of all sin. The alethiometer says that if the child is tempted as Eve was, then she is likely to fall and dust and sin will triumph. Do you know where she is? Her mother is with her. They are in the Himalayas. I'm still trying to find the precise location. Then continue your investigation. Stand down. This child, Lyra Balakwa, this Eve, will involve us all in ruin. Therefore, I propose to send an assassin to kill her before she can be tempted. Father President. I have done preemptive penance every day of my adult life. I have already atoned for her death. Father Gomez, I had you in mind. Do I have the agreement of the court? How much better if there'd been a Father Gomez in the Garden of Eden? I shall also send a squadron of armed zeppelins. As a failsafe. Hidden high in the beams, the Chevalier Tialis, a Galavespian spy working for Lord Asriel, flies out through the small space of an open window on his dragonfly mount. He has heard all. He shall tell all. Downstairs in the torture chamber, Father MacPhail, the Inquisitor, goes to talk to his prisoner, Dr. Cooper. So, you nearly succeeded in severing the child from her demon? Yes. We were told that the program had your approval. We would never have gone against the Magisterium. No, 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 of course not. Do you have any idea what might have been the source of the colossal energy Lord Asriel released on Svalbard? He killed a child in the process. One of our team observed that Severance released energy. Controlling it would involve a powerful ambaric current. Where's that colleague now? I need to know how to sever a demon. He died in the attack on Bolvanger. I want you to remember what your colleague said. 
will have you moved to a more suitable room. It is a great task. You are blessed to be entrusted with it. Give thanks to the authority. I do, Father Inquisitor. I do. Later, Father MacPhail leads Father Gomez, whose demon is a green-backed beetle, into his book-lined study. Father Gomez, once you leave here, you can never come back. I understand, Father Inquisitor. My advice is to follow the tempter. She will lead you to the child. The rebel angels protect her, but this tempter and the second Eve must never meet. Yes, Father Inquisitor. You, Father Gomez, are the ultimate guarantee that evil will not prevail. Killing the girl will be no sin at all. Now here is all we know about the tempter, a Dr. Mary Malone. Read it, then go with my blessing, Louis. I thank you, Father Inquisitor. I vow the girl shall die. In the world of Chittagatsi, Dr. Mary Malone, a research scientist from Wills, Oxford, walks beneath the fragrant pine trees on a hill outside the city. She's looking for another window. She's almost certain there's one close by. Turning her head, she notices a different colored patch of air. Okay, Mary. Post your rucksack through first. That's it. Nerves of steel. Oh. In the new world she enters, it's also evening. Hummingbirds. So many flowers. This is paradise. She enters a grove of giant trees. It feels as if she's in a cathedral and then wades ankle-deep through leaf skeletons as long as her foot. After five minutes, she sits down to rest, dozing off, leaning against one of the massive trunks. <gasps> Suddenly, from close by, there's a resounding crash that shakes the ground. She sits up with a jolt, gathers her wits, and watches a round object about a meter across, rolling, coming to a halt, and then falling on its side. What not on earth is it? If that's a seed pod, it's a whopper. They look exactly like wheels. They're hard as anything. Smells gorgeous. Oil of some kind. Hello? Approaching her is a herd of animals using the seed pods as wheels. Clever. Strange. Spooky. The animals dismount. Mary realizes they've come to collect the seed pods. Hello? Over here! Please, don't harm me. There are a dozen or so of these creatures, lean and grey-coloured with horned heads and short trunks. Several come over and begin to examine Mary and her rucksack. What she doesn't know is... They can see dust. It dances around her and her belongings in a golden swirl. Not sure you'll understand, but I'm Mary. Hello, I'm Atto. What are you? Sorry, that sounds rude. I'm a human being. We are Mulefa. Please. Come with us. You want me to climb on? We want to take you to our village. 
Lyra's world, I am plunged into despair. What is it, Balthamos? I only know that half my heart is torn away. Oh, Baruch is dead. Balthamos, oh. come here. Please don't fly off. I can only protect you with the knife if you stay close. Oh. I'm really very sorry about Baruch. Look, you'll have to pretend to be my demon again. People are beginning to stare. Sounds like it's coming from the jetty. What's happening? The bears are attacking from their ship. We don't want them to dock here, but we only have one gun, and they have a fire thrower. Why do they want to come ashore? They want fuel. They're leaving their kingdom and coming south. They eat children now there's no seals. They're vicious. They carry diseases. We shall kill them. Vermin! Look! That big and swam ashore. There's something wrong with an animal that mucks around with metal and wears armour. They're, they're great big, hairy blacksmiths. Abominations! Let me speak to him. What do you want, boy? I'll fight you in single combat. You'll fight me? <laughs> yes. If I win, people will see you're no threat. Then you can buy fuel and go. It would be shameful to fight you. You are weak as an oyster out of its shell. If you want to make it fairer, give me your helmet. Here. Let's see what my knife does to it. It's like butter. There. That was your helmet. And this is my knife. I can't fight that. Boy, you win! What is your name? Will Parry. Why are you here? I want to go to the mountains. Upriver is the quickest way. Can I come with you? Yes. I want to see the knife. There's only one bear I'd show the knife to. He's your king. He's a friend of the girl I'm going to the mountains to find. Her name is Lyra Silverton. And the bear is Yorick Bjornesson. I am Yorick Bjornesson. I guessed you were. Come aboard. When the fuel is loaded, we will set sail again. Nothing made of iron or steel is a mystery to a bear, but I have never seen a knife like yours. How did you come to possess it? I fought for it, and I lost some fingers. Show me your hand. <laughs> they have been healed with blood moss. Who dressed the wound? A shaman. And what did he tell you to do with the knife? To use it in a war on the side of Lord Azriel. But first, I've got to rescue Lyra. Then I shall help. Now the river has changed color, meeting the remains of floodwaters that have swept down from the Arctic. The air is growing hotter, the sun higher and the bears more and more uncomfortable. But there are mountains visible with snow and ice on their peaks. Bears, mark this place. When the time comes for us to move back to the Arctic, we shall assemble here. Hunt, feed and live. If war threatens, I shall call you. We shall find Lyra.
Armor climbs the path to the cave, wondering how she can reach the sleeping girl. She comes face to face with a huge white bear and a fierce-looking boy with an elegant bird, myself, perched on his arm. She nearly turns and runs. Hello, I'm Will. Who are you? Armor. She stares at his mutilated hand. A demon speaks. I am Kulang. Kulang. We are looking for a cave with a girl asleep inside it. I know where she is. Her mother makes her drink something. But I have herbs to wake her up. Yorek? Yes? I'll go with Armour and find out where Lyra is. I'll keep watch here. It's this way. I think her demon's seen us. I hate that golden monkey. He tears the wings off living bats. If Mrs. Coulter doesn't leave soon, I'll have to pay her a visit. Armour. What do you have to do with the waking medicine? You brush it into the nose, really carefully. Do you have it with you? No, it's safely hidden at home. Bring it later when you fetch our food. I'll go and introduce myself. See you just before sundown. Mrs Coulter sits at her ease in a little canvas chair with a book on her lap. Hello. You must be Will. Will kneels beside Lyra and lifts the hair away from her hot, damp face. Without seeming to... He also memorizes the exact layout of the cave. So you see, Will, she's quite safe. Why are you keeping her here? My daughter is in danger from the very people I used to belong to. The Magisterium. They want to kill her. They've had to become a renegade and hide. Let's sit down. <laughs> Have you got Lyra's alethiometer? Yes. And you've got a knife. May I see it? No. Why are you keeping her asleep? If Lyra woke, she'd run away and be killed. Why don't you give her the choice? Do you think she'd believe me? <laughs> she hates me, Will. I love her so much, I'd given up everything I had. Career, wealth, great happiness, power. Just so I can keep my daughter alive. Wouldn't your mother do as much for you? Will feels a jolt of shock and rage. His mother is ill. He had to protect her. Did Mrs. Coulter love Lyra more than Elaine Perry loved him? For a moment, Mrs. Coulter looks uncannily like her daughter. So, what are you going to do? I've seen Lyra. Now I can go and help Lord Asriel. You could cut one of those windows and help us get away. I'm going now. She holds out her hand. He finds himself liking her because she seems a more complicated, richer and deeper version of Lyra. You were foolish to go and see her. Now you want to see her again? Yorick, you agree with Balthamos? Yes. Now you can't stop thinking about her. That's not true. She's not to be trusted. What's that noise? Zeppelins. They must be the Magisteriums. They'll be here soon. What's your plan, Will? I'm going to make an opening and take Lyra through into another world and close it again before her mother follows. Armour will have to come into the cave as well to wake Lyra up. Could you distract Mrs. Coulter? Easily, Balthamos, where are you? Here. Going back into the forest to cut a window into another world for us to escape into afterwards. Keep watch and tell me the moment anyone comes near. Her or that stinky monkey. I will. Hidden in the bulkhead of the Magisterium's leading zeppelin are the Galavespian spies, Lady Salmachia and Chevalier Tialis. Sent by Lord Roke, Lord Asriel's spymaster, they listen. Captain Renfrew reporting. Over. 
We're receiving you, over. We're three hours away from the target. Over. On landing, you are to send a squad to the cave. The first unit will kill the child and remove her head. You are to catch the woman, but kill her if she resists. The second unit is to capture the boy alive. The remainder of the force will engage with King of Gunway's gyropters. Over. Message received and understood. Over and out. The Chevalier Tialis relays all he has heard back to Lord Azriel through his lodestone resonator. Then, the Lady Salmachia and the Chevalier fit their newly hatched dragonflies with spider silk reins. The two of them whirl upwards in the icy dusk, flying towards the cave in the valley where Mrs. Quarter is keeping Lyra. As darkness falls, this is how things stand. In his adamantine tower, Lord Azriel paces up and down. King Ogunwe sits in the cabin of his gyropter, at the head of a squadron flying towards the cave in the Himalayan Valley, hoping to arrive there before the Magisterium's troops. Mrs. Coulter lies awake in the entrance of the cave. Lyra, hot, restless, deeply asleep, dreams of the land of the dead. Meanwhile, Will and Armour make their way towards the cave. Yorick the Bear King, in his armour, waits to hold off the Magisterium's regiment to give Will time to rescue Lyra. Balthamos, stay close and warn me of any danger. I need you. I shall. I watch Tialis and Salmachia soar over the valley and then down out of the icy winds and into the trees where they flit from branch to branch, entering the cave unseen by all but me. All right, Armour. I'm going to cut into another world. Please don't be scared. The knife opens a second sky where the moon glares down onto a bleached bone-white ground and insects trill. Armour reluctantly follows Will through. This moonlight will shine like a torch once I open the window into Mrs. Coulter's cave. I'll have to be very quick and pull Lyra through. Armour? All right. Ready? Yes. Come on. I'll see the top. Armour's demon, Kulang, becomes a bat and uses his sonar to scan the back of the cave. Nothing. Will looks towards the entrance where Mrs. Coulter and her demon lie. His heart sinks. Lyra is asleep next to them. Armour, we'll have to get Lyra now, before Mrs. Coulter wakes. I'm ready. Mrs. Coulter's woken up. Come on, whilst she's distracted. Lyra. Will starts to cut a window into the moonlit world when Mrs. Coulter and a demon monkey silently turn round. The glare of the other moon lights her face and for an instant, Will seems to be staring at his mother and his heart sinks. His mind leaves the knife point and with a wrench and a crack, the blade shatters and falls to pieces on the ground. Um, wake Lyra up now. I don't know how you did that, but I'm not afraid of you. I can still take Lyra out of here, even if I don't have the knife. How? I can fight. Mrs. Coulter moves a little to let the light from the Zeppelin search beams shine on the pistol in her hand. The light also shows armor sprinkling the powder on Lyra's upper lip. Will searches the cave floor for the fragments of the knife. He knows he must gather every piece. Outside, the Magisterium's zeppelins hover as soldiers slide down ropes to the ground. Lord Azriel's gyropters land, but neither force has yet reached the cave. What are you going to do? Hold you captive. They want to kill us all. The Magisterium does. 
We must hope Lord Azrael's troops win. You broke the knife! No, you broke it. Will, is that you? Lyra! Where am I? Is Mrs Quarters still here? What's happening? We're in a cave. You've been asleep for days. I got here as soon as I could, but there's loads of soldiers out there too. I've no idea who they are. They're too busy fighting each other to be bothered with us yet. I see the monkey demon snatch something out of the air. It's Lady Salmachia, the Galavespian spy. Dialis! Ah! Dialis, help me! It's a tiny person. He won't stop till he's torn her arms off. Oh! Mrs. Coulter drops the gun. The Galavespian Tialis has his hands entwined in Mrs. Coulter's hair and his poisonous spur pressed in her neck. Will picks up the fallen pistol. So, Master Will, what do you think we should do now? This. Holding the gun, Will sweeps his hand sideways and knocks the golden monkey off his perch, stunning him. The monkey relaxes his paw, enough for the tiny woman to struggle free. Have you got the knife? Of course. Then follow us. Who is the other child? Arma. She's from the village. She must return there. Move, now, before the Magisterium soldiers come! Mrs. Coulter, half stunned with pain, watches as Will helps Lyra. They see the two small figures of Tialis and Salmachia leap onto dragonflies almost the length of Will's forearm. Lyra, my dear one, my heart's treasure, don't go! <laughs> Lyra, her face streaming with tears, steps over her mother's body. Here's your pistol. You may need it. Armor, go straight back to the village. The path's safe. Goodbye. And thank you. Thank you. Run, children. Make for the top of the cliff and give yourself up to Lord Azrael's soldiers. Right. I don't think so. Come on. I cut a window through to somewhere safer this afternoon. Good job I did. Yorick must be fighting further down. Yorick's well, here? Yeah, in the thick of it. Come on, Lyra. Will drags Lyra towards the window deep inside the bushes. They plunge through into the other world onto the bone-white rocks and under the ghastly moon, away from the danger of being caught. Surprisingly, the two little Galivespian spies are already there with their packs on the ground nearby, watching. Sorry, Lyra. I thought we'd shaken them off. There's one good thing, though. Look, your alethiometer's in my rucksack. You bring it all this way for me? And your father? Did you find him? Yes. Do you know who these two small people are? No idea. we better be careful. I wouldn't like to get on the wrong side of them. Lyra, the knife's broken. We're stuck till we can mend it. I don't want those two little people to know. I thought you could ask the alethiometer. Yeah, I will. Oh, it mentions Yorick. You said he's nearby. Yes. Could he mend the knife? He could do anything with metal. I kept dreaming about Roger. You know, I tried to rescue him when the gobblers took him to Bolvanger, and then Lord Asriel killed him in Svalbard. In my dream, I saw him, and he was a ghost. He wanted to speak to me, so I've got to go down to the Land of the Dead and find him and say sorry. The Land of the Dead might be a world like this one. Maybe we could get Roger's ghost out. We could rescue him. If I don't get the knife mended, we won't be able to do anything. Those little people are watching us. Excuse me, whose side are you on? We are Galavespians. I am the Lady Salmachia, and my companion is the Chevalier Tialis. We are spies for Lord Azrael. What world are you from? One with the same problems as yours. Our leader, Lord Roke, heard of Lord Azrael's revolt and pledged our support. What do you want with me? 
to take you to your father. Lord Asriel also wants the subtle knife, and it's better. Suppose we don't want to go. Those are our orders. You must tell us what you intend to do. We're going back into Lyra's world to find a friend of ours, a bear. He's not far away. The bear with armour. We saw him fight. But then you must come with us to Lord Asriel. Everyone keeps saying I have to go to Lord Asriel. Humour them. Then we'll find out more. That poison in your spurs, Jalice. Will Mrs. Coulter die? It was only a light sting. A full dose would have been fatal. I need to talk to Lyra. In private. You could cut through into another world. Don't you trust me? No. Will lays the knife in its horn sheath on a boulder, careful not to let the pieces rattle. He and Lyra walk away out of the Galavespian's hearing. I only hope Yurik can mend it. Do you think we can trust the spies while we sleep? They're fierce, but I think they're honest. We're going to sleep now. We'll move on in the morning. Very well. The sun dawns in all the parallel worlds. Lyra wakes, a little bewildered by the waveless sea and windless dunes. Will is already awake. Oh, good morning, everyone. The forces of the Magisterium have retreated. Mrs. Coulter is in the hands of King Ogunwe and on her way to Lord Asriel. How do you know? The Lodestone Resonator. I reported our conversation about the armoured bear, and my commander, Lord Roke, has agreed we should go with you. But once you have seen him, you must come with us. Right. We'd better go back through. They cross back into Lyra's world. There follows a day of long, hard walking. The track grows steeper and the snow line closer. Suddenly, Lyra spots the glimmering outline of a polar bear approaching. Yorick! I thought I'd never see you again. Is Mr. Scoresby safe? Climb up, children. I shall take you to my cave. Lyra, Mr. Scoresby died fighting. He kept a company of Muscovites at bay while Stanislav Grumann escaped. He died bravely. I shall avenge him. Lyra, Stanislav Grumann. His real name was John Parry. Mr. Scoresby died saving your father? Yes. Our stories are tied up with each other. We were supposed to meet. Let me light a fire. Here is kindling and ironstone. King Yorick, mm. my knife is broken. Hang on. If you Galavespians are listening, come out and do it honestly. Why did you deceive us about the knife? Yes, why? I had to. You'd have stung us and had us kidnapped. Who are they? Lord Asriel's spies. They helped us yesterday, but they shouldn't eavesdrop. <sighs> come down by the fire. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Your Majesty. Will. Tell me about the knife. I didn't think it could break. Lyra's alethiometer said you'd be able to mend it. Mm. Show me the fragments. Yes, I can mend it, although it should never have been made in the first place. This knife has intentions, too. Fetch me kindling from the bushes you'll find along the path. Do you know what I'm afraid of? Getting stuck somewhere and never seeing my mother again. I grew up on my own, really. It was always just me and Pan. But 
in the cave with Mrs Coulter. I felt, when I woke up once or twice, she was holding me in her arms. Maybe she was loving me. Yeah, well... Look, these must be the bushes Yorick meant. Inside the cave, Yorick Bjornesson lays out the tools in his improvised workshop. The stone hammer and the anvil consisting of a piece of his armour. Hmm. Lyra, find some more stones like this one. When they are hot, they give off a gas that will surround the blade and keep the air from it. Yorick sets the first two pieces of the blade at the heart of the fire. He watches closely as the metal changes color and the surface glistens and sparks fly from it. He snatches the pieces, holding them between the tips of his massive claws and places them on the slab of armor. Yorick, I can smell your claws burning. Moving with extraordinary speed, Yorick adjusts the pieces that overlap and then raises his left paw high and strikes a blow with the rock hammer. And the knife tip leaps. Will, hold it still in your mind. You have to forge it too. Will quivers under the blows, trying to sense the atoms of the metal linking across the fracture. Yes! The join is made. Now it's time to attach the final piece. Will's head is ringing. He can barely lift the next branch onto the fire, but he has to understand every connection or the knife will not hold together. Will, Lyra, we are equal to this. Will turns back to the fire and braces himself for the last fierce task. As Will feels the last atom settling across the break, he sinks to the floor, as does Lyra, their hair full of soot and smoke. Will, come outside. Lyra, stay here, and don't touch the knife. I think I have stepped outside bare nature in mending this knife. The time will tell. Now, why did the knife break? When Mrs. Coulter looked at me, I thought I saw my mother's face. The knife came up against something I couldn't cut. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. Answer me. I said I don't know because I haven't thought about it. It frightens Lyra and me. We want to go to the land of the dead and talk to the ghost of Lyra's friend, Roger. But my father and the angels, Balthamos and Baruch, told me to take the knife to Lord Asriel. And I want to go home and look after my mother. That's why I can answer you. I see. If you want to succeed in this task, Will, you must not think about your mother. If your mind is divided, the knife will break again. Now go back and plunge the knife into the snow. Lyra Silvertongue, why do you want to visit the dead? I dreamt Roger's ghost was calling me. While you are alive, your business is with life. No, Yorick. We have to keep promises. What are you going to do now? I am returning north with my bears. There's no food here. We can live more easily by the sea, even if it's warm. And I can feel war, Lyra Silvertongue. I can smell it. 
Go well, Lyra Silvertongue. My dear friend. Now I must turn north and leave. Goodbye, Yorick. Pan turns into a wolf and howls. What is it? I love Yorick so much, Will. And he looked old. He looked hungry and old and sad. If Mr. Scoresby's dead and Yorick's old, then what's got to be done has to be done by us. We can do it. I'm not going to look back anymore. If we stay here, the gyropter things will come. Let's get our things. What are you doing? What does it look like? You must wait for Lord Asriel's gyropters. We'd rather not. Now the knife's cool enough, I'm going to use it. You can come with us, but you can't make us stay. We'll sleep here. The Chevalier Tialis takes out his lodestone resonator and begins to bow a message. In Lord Azrael's world, Mrs. Coulter is bound to a chair in a chamber at the top of the adamantine tower. Her golden monkey demon thrashes and struggles in the coils of a silver chain. What have you done with Lyra, Azrael? Nothing. She's more trouble than she's worth. Lyra's unique. She's brave, generous, loving, and think of what she's done already. She's turned you into a drab, doting mother. Control your noise, or I'll have you gagged. Don't humiliate me further. I'll untie you, but he can stay in his chains. Lord Roke glides in through the window on his blue hawk and lands on the table. A wounded King Ogunwe enters through the door, accompanied by the third of Lord Azrael's high commanders, the angel Zephania. Mrs. Coulter sits in the shadows. What happened, King Ogunwe? We killed 17 Magisterium guards and destroyed two Zeppelins. We also suffered casualties. Five men were lost and one gyropter. The girl and boy escaped, but we captured the Lady Coulter. I hope she feels we treated her courteously. Yes, thank you. Now, Lord Rook, what have you heard from your spies? The boy's knife broke, but it was mended by King Yorick Bjernesson. Then the boy cut into another world where they are now. My spies remain with them. Marissa, have you any idea what the children intend to do next? None whatsoever. I didn't think you were interested, Azrael. My lord, Mrs. Coulter must be taken elsewhere. Please, listen to me first. The Magisterium are going to kill my daughter. The witches prophesy that Lyra will be tempted as Eve was. I tried to save her. You drugged her. She hates me and would have run away. It was the first time I'd ever been able to keep her safe from harm. I felt such love for her. And then military strategy takes precedence. When the discussions are over, Lord Asriel takes a key from his pocket and unlocks the golden monkey's feet and hands. Then he strides along the wind-beaten battlements and down a mighty staircase. They follow. Excuse me, my lady. Your name is Zephania? Yes. Zephania is tall, winged, and her lined face is older than any living creature Mrs. Coulter has ever seen. I have pledged my allegiance to Lord Asriel. I see in his great enterprise the best hope of destroying tyranny. But if you fail? Cruelty will reign forever. Angels, of course, cannot be drawn into conversation. Pardon my ignorance, King of Gunway. But I'd never heard nor seen a being like the tiny man riding the Blue Hawk until the fight in the cave yesterday. Where does he come from? They're well developed like ours, but the humans are all servants of the authority and regard these small people as devils. 
Are all Galavespians allies of Lord Asriel? No, though most are. And the angels? Mrs. Coulter, these questions are the sort of things a spy would ask. I can't escape. I'm harmless. If you say so. <laughs> angels are difficult to understand. Some have greater powers, and there are complicated alliances among them. The authority has been suppressing them since he came into being. But the authority created everything. He wasn't created. There may or may not have been a creator, but the authority took charge. Since then, angels have rebelled. This is the last rebellion, and it unites beings from all the worlds under a common cause. This is the greatest force ever assembled. And is Lord Asriel going to attack the Kingdom of Heaven? Lord Azriel is setting up a world where there are no kingdoms at all. No kings, no bishops, no priests. The authority may want to attack us because we intend to be free citizens of the Republic of Heaven. The Republic? Is that why Azriel left his servant at home? <laughs> the staircase opens onto a massive hall lit by glowing crystals. Ladders, gantries, beams, and walkways straddled the gloom above, filled with figures moving purposefully across them. Lord Asriel passes through a set of iron doors. The noise redoubles, and the heat sweeps over them like a breaking wave. I've seen forges and manufacturers in my own world, but the biggest seems like a village smithy besides this. Lord Asriel gestures to the small group to follow him down a long, rocky corridor where the grinding and hammering gradually fades. Then, without warning, they emerge into the night air. What is that? The intention craft. It looks like some kind of complex drilling apparatus. Lord Asriel swings himself up into the seat, fastening a leather harness around his waist and shoulders and setting a helmet securely on his head. His snow leopard demon, Stelmaria, follows him. The intention craft suddenly moves. Various parts of it are evolving, turning this way and that, scanning the dark sky overhead. And then it vanishes, only to reappear hovering above them. Listen, to the south. Gyropter blades, whose are they? Ours. My pilots flying a mission to tempt the enemy to follow. Watch! Above them, the intention craft hangs as firmly as if it were anchored. A group of lights appear low in the sky. There are six gyropters, one in trouble, with smoke trailing from it. In close pursuit come a motley collection of flyers, a gyropter, two straight-winged aircraft, and four angels. A raiding party, Mrs. Coulter. They're closing in on the gyropters. The intention craft lands. Impressive. Asriel, may I see how it works? Come up. Take my hand. It's powered by intentions. If you intend to go forward, it goes forward. That's no answer. Your demon has to hold this handle, whether in its teeth or paws doesn't matter. And you have to wear the helmet. An embaric current flows between them. I see. Ah! Then she pushes him hard so that he falls out of the machine. At the same moment, she puts the helmet on her head and the golden monkey takes up the leather handle. The intention craft leaps into the air. Lord Roke, go with her. 
Yes, Lord Asriel. Well, King Ogunway, I should have listened to you. Do you think she has gone in search of the child? She has no idea where Lyra is. She'll go to the Magisterium and spy on them. For us. When will Lord Roke let her know she's being followed? Oh, I think he'll keep that as a surprise. Don't you? <laughs> they move back into the workshop, behind the massive iron doors where a later, more advanced model of the intention craft is awaiting their inspection. In the world of the Malefa, Mary Malone is constructing a mirror. She grinds the surface of a piece of softwood with a sandstone block until it's flat. Then, using the resinous sap from the wheel pod grove, she paints on layer after layer using pads of cottony fiber. She polishes the surface until her arms ache. Satisfied, she tries the mirror out, cleaning the surface with a little of the seed pod oil. Suddenly, she sees a throng of golden sparkles. They cluster around her faint reflection. Mary Malone can see shadow particles. Dust. She carefully peels the resin from the wood, holds up the lacquer and looks through it at a world dancing with living thoughts. I didn't know it was so beautiful. If I put some of this resin, I suppose it's amber, isn't it? If I put a piece of it on the end of a hollow stick, I've got myself a spyglass. An amber spyglass. There are golden particles dancing everywhere. Hazing the houses and the Malefa themselves. And the sky's filled with a torrent of beautiful dust. But it's definitely flowing away from the land. In the world we'll cut into, Lyra wakes before dawn. I asked the Elethiometer. And it said we shouldn't try to escape from the little people because they're going to save our lives. Have you told them what we're going to do? No, but the alethiometer said we could get there if we follow the knife. Just follow the knife? Nothing else? Yeah. Sounds easy, but I bet it isn't. What have you decided? We've got something else to do before we come with you to Lord Asriel. We're going to the World of the Dead. We don't know where it is. But the knife will find it. Children, when we die, everything is over. You've seen what happens to a demon. It vanishes. Things can vanish from sight, but they can still exist. How long will this foolish expedition take? Will takes the knife from its horn holster, and a powerful temptation makes him feel for the touch of his own world. He still has his mother's credit card. He could buy familiar food. He could even telephone Mrs. Cooper and speak to his mum. And then the knife jars. Will's heart almost stops. Try again. This feels different. Like a very smooth surface. Almost as if I'm cutting through a mirror. Come through. The air is it's the knife. That's the first time it's happened. Will, this must be the world of the dead. There's no sun. There's no sky for it to cross. Here and there, fires burn among ruins. Shacks and shanties have been put together from beaten-out petrol cans. Torn sheets of polythene, scraps of plywood and hardboard. This is horrible. Yes. It looks like a refugee camp. Wait, wait, stop right there. Can you tell us where we are? 
Or can you're in the holding area. Why can't we just go into the town, like the others? Because you're alive. Well, how come we've got this far? The living come here by mistake. This is just a port of transit. So where do the dead go when they leave here? I couldn't say. Now move along, please. What do we do now? You'll have to find somewhere to stay. The sky seems to be made of smoke. Those grey-looking people there, why are they hanging about? They're not people, and they're not ghosts, Lyra. That woman coming out of that shack, she's alive. Hello. Oh, you gave me a fright. Who are you? Travellers? Sort of. We need somewhere to sleep tonight. These are strange times. Come in, and welcome. My name's Jane. Like you, I arrived by accident. Now I've got to wait. When it's time, your death takes you by the hand and you go with him in a boat across the lake. No one comes back. I'll introduce you to him if you like. Jane's death? Come in, please. He's a bit scruffy. Lyra? Well, he is. This is really your death? Yes. And your own death takes you across the lake. There's no other way. Lyra, do you understand what you're doing? Yes. You don't. You can't risk your own death. Come back with us to Lord Asriel's right now. Listen to her. Let's go back now, before it's too late. I've got to find Roger. I feel so terrible about Roger. And I want to say sorry. Make it as good as I can. Because it's my fault he's dead. And I don't care if I have to die to do it. Lyra. You're my death. Yes. I'm very pleased to meet you. You ain't going to take me yet, are you? Well, you wanted me. Yeah, I did. Yes. But I want to go to the land of the dead, only I don't want to die. You don't want my gift? Not now. Not yet. I love being alive, and I love my demon. And demons don't go there, do they? No. Your demon vanishes into the air, and you vanish under the ground. Then I want to take my demon with me. And I want to come back again. One day you'll go there with no effort, in my company. I'm your special friend. No, Pat Lyman is my special friend, and I love him. I don't know you. I so... can show you the way, but as for getting out again... And my friends? Yes, I'll take them. We'll come, but it's against every instinct. No, no, Lyra, don't go with him. Don't go. In the world of the Malefa, Mary Malone starts her investigation into why the dust or shadow particles are flowing away from the land. She climbs a tall wheelpod tree. Oh, incredible. Dust's flying by in the breeze. Except it seems to be heading out to sea against the wind. The flower heads are angled upwards so the dust doesn't touch them. Okay, I'm coming down. Can you do anything? I'll have to spend more time up here. Will you help me build a platform? Of course. At the same time, in the world of Chittagatsi, Father Luis Gomez carries the twin tokens of his determination to kill the girl. The insignia of the magisterium hung on a chain around his neck and the rifle slung on his back. He is thirsty. 
and notices a wet patch of rock at the top of a scree. He climbs up to see if there's a spring. There isn't. It's a window through to the world of the wheelpod trees. He crouches down and enters. And in the land of the dead, Lyra is led by her own death towards the misty lake. Will Tialis and Salmachia follow unwillingly enough? The pantalaimon is wild with fear. Don't stop, Lyra. Please. I've got to, Pan. I'm sorry. Is that bit for us? There's no one else wanting the use of it, is there? We better get in. Yeah. Come on, Pan. Not him. But he's me. If you come, he stays. We can't. We die. That's what you want. It isn't. No. Don't leave me here, Lyra. I'll find you afterwards. Boatman, please row or something. Now. Pantalaimon knows that if he so much as speaks, she'll lose her resolve. So he turns into a dog and runs along the shore. Pan, I love you. I'll find you again if it takes all my life. I've got to find Roger. I've got to. My heart. Will. Oh, this is horrible. I feel like something's being ripped out of me. So the prophecy of the master of Jordan College comes true. Lyra betrays Pantalaimon, and the pain is terrible. Are we dead? Makes no difference. The gate to the land of the dead is on this island. Everyone comes here. None return. We will. We'll come back. There's some who don't believe they're dead. There's others who longed to be dead, lives full of misery. And they've killed themselves for the chance of a blessed rest and found nothing changed. Except for the worst. And I've rowed this boat with a little crying baby on my lap many times that never knew the difference between up there and down here. So, if you don't know whether you're dead or not and the little girl swears blind she'll come out again to the living, I say nothing to contradict you. What you are, you'll know soon enough. I'll hold the boat still whilst you climb out. Come on, Lyra. Thank you, Boatman. When you go back, tell my demon I love him best of everything in the land of the living and the dead. And I swear I'll come back. I will, if he's still there. As the Galavespians' dragonflies dart above the vegetation, Will and Lyra move from the wharf, keeping close together. Suddenly, they are confronted by a wall. Its gigantic stone blocks covered in ancient slime rise higher into the mist than they can see. What's that? I wouldn't like to guess. Are they human voices? I hope not. To your right, Will, there's a door. Hold back the vegetation and you'll see it. It's a battered wooden gate under a slab of stone. Before Will can lift his hand to open it... There's something flying towards us, Anakia! Up! Up! We'll get above them! The Galavespians dart into the air, but the thing that's flying down sweeps them aside before settling on a ledge just above the children. The 
creatures the size of a vulture, but with the head and breasts of a woman. There's a putrescent stink every time she moves. She is a harpy. You are alive? Yeah. Are you? If you're trying to stop us, then you better be ready to fight as well as scream. Your mother is alone. We shall send her nightmares. Will tries not to react. Out of the corner of his eye, he can see the Lady Salmachia moving delicately along the branch where the harp is perching. The Lady suddenly leaps at the harpy, spins around to dig her spur into the creature's scaly leg. <laughs> the Duke and Duchess of Abingdon. And the king used to come and stay, and they go hunting... Without a cry of warning, the harpy launches herself at Lyra, catching her scalp and tearing out a clump of her hair. With his shoulder curved over to protect her as she shakes and sobs, Will thrusts the knife into the door and cuts out the lock. Come on. Why did she attack? I don't know. Let me see. Oh, it's a scratch. Come on, we've got to keep moving. I thought I was good at lying. Doesn't matter. Let's look for Roger. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.